Welcome to Everything Co-op, bringing you information on how cooperatives can help improve your quality of life. This show is being sponsored by the National Co-op Bank, NCB. The NCB is dedicated to strengthening communities nationwide for the delivery of banking and financial services for the nation's cooperatives, their members, and other socially responsible organizations. For more information on the power of community ownership, visit ncb.coop. That's ncb.coop. Now stay tuned for your host, Vernon Oaks. Good morning, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. Welcome to Everything Co-op this beautiful Thursday morning. You know, uh, this is the 100th anniversary of NCBA.clusa, uh, NCBA, National Cooperative Business Association, is celebrating their 100th year. They got started in March of 1916 when bread was five cents and a Model T Ford uh, was $300. You know, it was uh, interesting that co-ops have been around 100 years. And this morning, we had the total honor of having Mr. Chuck Snyder in the studio with us this morning. Good morning, Chuck. Good morning, Vernon. Okay, glad to have you here this morning. Uh, He's the president of the National Cooperative Bank. uh, And this is October, and October is cooperative month. So we're going to talk about the benefits of cooperatives and what cooperatives are doing in the U.S. and around the world. Chuck, uh, what's the mission of the bank? The mission of the bank is to uh, provide financial services to uh, cooperatives in the United States and all types of different uh, types of cooperatives. You have uh, housing cooperatives, worker-owned cooperatives, small business cooperatives, and uh, cooperatives uh, of the community. And so there's many different types of uh, ways that people can come together. And um, the the Congress uh, back in 19... Um, 1978, um, they decided that the cooperatives in the United States just didn't uh, receive the time and attention of other commercial banks, and so they decided to start the National Cooperative Bank. 1978. And it was a time when uh, rapid inflation, meat prices were going way up, and the uh, consumer was uh, struggling, and they felt that uh, co-ops provided needed competition in the marketplace. And, you know, co-ops allow the, the little guy to come together and achieve something that they can't do on their own. And I've been blessed to uh, work with the bank for some 30 years, and I get to see firsthand how co-ops uh, allow uh, the little guy to uh, come together and achieve something that they can't do on, on their own. And that's a very, very powerful concept. And it's very flexible. It's in all sorts of different types of, uh, of businesses uh, in every state in the United States. And, we you know, we talked about the 100th anniversary of the National Cooperative Business Association here in Washington, D.C. But the International Cooperative uh, Alliance, which is a worldwide organization, has co-ops in every country around the world. And uh, co-ops actually uh, date back to uh, Rochdale, England, uh, some 160 uh, years ago when workers uh, working in the cotton mills up in, uh, close by uh, Manchester, England, really needed to come together to gain the economic power that they couldn't on their own. And so they uh, created a store, and, and um, also they provided education for their members. And one of the things that co-ops f- firmly believe is, is educating their, their members. You know, you said a lot, Chuck, and I, uh, <laughs> I love co-ops, and I believe 
that we've had co-ops long before 1814. I think the 1844, the modern co-op with the seven principles, 1844. But if you look at the Native Americans and how they how they work in tribes and they work together, everybody knew what they supposed to do for the benefit of the the group. And that's what I find co-ops about. Matter of fact, you said the first time you were on the program that co-ops are nothing but people helping people. Uh, absolutely. And uh, co-ops uh, are people working uh, together has, uh, has been around for a very long period of time. And there's uh, groups that are working uh, collectively uh, for common good uh, today that don't necessarily view themselves as co-ops. co-ops. It may be a church group. And uh, they're just, you know, following uh, what they feel is right. And... Um, and that's okay. You know, what uh, the bank uh, supports uh, really is um, is the cooperative concept of people helping people. And um, it's just a powerful concept. Some are very large businesses in the United States, uh, Fortune 500 companies, and uh, some are just a handful of people uh, coming together. But it's equally as important is, is that uh, the concept to be used and uh, to its fullest. I like the definition I've come up with of working with in this program and talking to quite a few people. Oh, by the way, this is our third anniversary today. There we go. Yes, yes we've been around three. And as you recall, we were only going to do this for one month. I celebrate October Cooperative Month three years ago, and it's just taken off. And I've just had so much fun meeting all kinds of different people in the co-op world people helping people and the, uh, there's one thing i've taken away but it's more than one but one big thing is that everybody that's been on this program i'll ask them the question do you like what you're doing from asking you a couple of times you love what you're doing but everybody does yes well it's um we're a different uh, type of business in that we have a, a focus in on our membership and uh, we have elections uh, from our board of directors which is a 15-person board, which is my boss. And, you know, I think a, a lot of that, a lot of uh, good comes out of that from, from the stance of, of fairness and wanting to do the right thing. One of the problems that we have uh, currently in, in the country, and you see it in the news all the time. In the, it, in the election. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> okay. in the election, well, apathy uh, <laughs> as far as the election. But I was uh, really uh, thinking about the, the greed in, in, in corporations uh, oh, yeah. today. And, and there's this tremendous pressure to generate uh, uh, profits, and there's incentives uh, to do that. And unfortunately, if corporate governance is not as good as it should be, it it happens where people will step over the line. I'm not saying that that won't happen in co-ops, but it happens far less uh, because there's a lot more accountability. Um, And one of the things that we're very proud at the bank is, is that for the last three years running, we received a uh, best place to, to work from uh, the Washington Post, which is not unusual in, in co-ops. I uh, was looking at a credit union in, in St. Louis uh, this past uh, week, and uh, they had a, re- a similar a recognition out in, in their community, and it's the fairness. Um, co-ops tend to try to do the right thing uh, day in and, and, and day out. In fact, in my uh, goals uh, that I set out uh, for myself and the corporation, the cooperative, uh, every year, uh, at the bottom, it says, do no harm. And um, I want everyone in the uh, NCV to, uh, when they set their goals, to make sure that uh, they um, look at uh, themselves and what they do for their customers and always try to do the right thing. Well, look at the values of a cooperative and the values... um 
it says that in the tradition of the founders of cooperatives, cooperative members believe in the ethical values of honesty, openness, social responsibility, and my favorite is caring for others. Right. And that's the people helping people part. Yep. And that's why I also find that when people have been on the program say they love what they do, Cornelius Blanding from the Federation of Southern Co-ops said that his biggest problem in life is trying to get away from the co-op to go spend time with his kids. That, that is very true. <laughs> he loves his work so much. Okay. It seems like he's always working on the weekends. <laughs> and, and um, But he feels like he has a mission. Yeah. And when you have a mission, you know, time doesn't matter uh, because it's more important to – I know for Cuneus, uh, it's very important for him to uh, meet with the uh, the farmers – when they have time, and a lot of times it's on, on the weekend or where they have their meetings on the weekend. And, you know, he wants to uh, make sure that uh, he's he's serving his members in, in the Federation of Southern Co-ops. Well, what I like about NCB, a lot of things, but you are a co-op, that the bank is a co-op, and your mission says you're to help cooperatives grow by supporting and being an advocate for America's cooperatives and their members, placing special emphasis on serving the needs of communities that are economically challenged. Right. And so anytime I, I have somebody from the bank, I go over this, because this is just the opposite of what most banks will do. Most right. banks will not go into economically challenged community because they look for basically three things, getting their money back, getting their money back, yes. getting their money back. Right. And so... They look for people that already have assets so that if they don't pay on that one, they can go grab something else. Right. Economically challenged communities don't have it. You know, it's, it's, it's a challenge from the standpoint that uh, working in low-income communities may take longer for the deal to, to come together because there's uh, probably a couple different sources of, of funding for a, a specific project. But let me make it uh, perfectly clear. The lending that we make in low-income communities – uh, does extremely well uh, from you know, paying their bills and, and acting responsibly, et cetera. And we all still remember the Great Recession of uh, eight, nine years ago, and our portfolio of low-income loans uh, performed better than any other portfolio. And, you know, I, I uh, think about that from, from time to time, why that is. Chuck, yeah. we have to take our first break, and mm-hmm. I really want to come back to find out why the best-performing asset are the, from the lower income. That's that's. A, I really want to hear that one, but I've just been told we got to take our first break. So we're going to weather the news and the traffic, and we'll be right back. Okay. Information is power, <clears throat> and that's NC. That's WOL's motto: Information is power, and that's the reason NCB is sponsoring this program to give you the information about cooperatives, so that you can either start your own cooperative, get two, three, four, five, fifteen people together to start a cooperative, or you can look up cooperatives and then go work with them, shop with them, rent a housing from them, get into the credit union, and because credit unions is a better vehicle for most Americans. Chuck was talking to us. We have Chuck Snyder in the studio with us this morning, the president of National Cooperative Bank, who we are celebrating 100 years of NCBA's uh, startup in the United States. And we've been on the program for three years. And if you want to go and get our older programs, you can go into everything.coop, our webpage, 
and you can get this program will be on in a week or two on that on that uh, web page, and you can get past programs. Chuck, you were telling us why in 0708, let me build this up a little bit, we had the Great Recession. That's when Wall Street took out different derivatives, different portfolio, different products, and they sold uh, mortgages to people who could not afford those products when the interest rates spiked in two to five years. And so you had all of these houses foreclosing in the marketplace, but you're saying that in your market and, and for the low-income housing, or whether it's food or housing, you didn't Absolutely. experience that. Well, you know, I think that the uh, lending that we make to, say, a, an affordable housing uh, a co-op is done in prudent terms. We don't uh, take to, to uh, or the co-op is run conservative. They don't try to maximize the, the, the debt. They uh, have reserves. So if uh, one or two of the unit holders uh, gets delinquent, they have reserves so that the uh, co-op can still uh, meet its uh, bills, et cetera. Uh, they do a, a, a good uh, selection uh, process of selecting uh, of the members. There's a community there. And a lot of times you've seen this in housing co-ops. A stronger community uh, is going to uh, create a, um, uh, a more creditworthy co-op. It's, it's amazing. We, we did some studies uh, some time ago in, in affordable housing co-ops. They're cheaper to run. People tend to, to waste less energy and use the water more wisely and because it's their community. They own it. And um, in, a, in a rental, uh, they don't care about it. Someone else owns it. And um, that ownership uh, means a lot to, uh, uh, to people. I, you know, I take the, uh, the story when I was a little kid. Um, my uh, parents gave my brother's uh, bicycle to me, and for some reason it wasn't necessarily mine. And, and while I, you know, it, it didn't necessarily uh, – take really great care of it but one uh one christmas i got my own bicycle it was mine and you know there was a pride of ownership it didn't stay out in the rain you know <laughs> i know you took much better care of it and so the same concept i think works uh, for the housing co-ops and other co-ops that we work with and that is one of, one of the strong reasons why they tend to pay their bills and don't go delinquent whereas loans to uh another housing um uh, a project that uh, may has more leverage, uh, doesn't have that sense of community, doesn't have that sense of uh, ownership. It's more transient. People, you know, come and go. Uh, people that live in, in housing co-ops tend to stay there for a very long period period of time, uh, because usually uh, they're they're a pretty good deal. Uh, over a period of time, their uh, carrying charges and their monthly uh, costs are less uh, than it would be to uh, to rent, because that rent continues to escalate each. Each year, and um, it's not to say that the maintenance charges and cost of living in housing cup doesn't go up, but it's more moderated. And uh, so our uh, statistics, uh, whether it be uh, community health clinics or the um, affordable housing co-ops or uh, just lending in, in low-income uh, neighborhoods, it's for uh, basic services, whether it be food, housing, health care, et cetera. And so there's less speculation and with that ownership that you have from from the uh, from the community, uh, it makes for a very powerful uh, combination, and it's it's good lending. And I wish that uh, other financial institutions viewed it that same way. Every bank in the United States has to invest in in communities. It's called mm-hmm. the Community Reinvestment Act. Most banks will contribute about three percent of their loans in uh, CRA-related activities, which is a good thing, and it's been very positive for. Uh, for the country. 
but we probably do 10 times that. We uh, shoot really for uh, somewhere between 30 and 35 percent. And we, this has been, we've been doing it for 30 years. So it's not a one-shot deal. We have consistently uh, served uh, uh, communities in, in need, and it's been good business. Also, um, a lot of our employees identify with the work that we do. And, and that's why they enjoy coming they, to work. <laughs> especially uh, some of the, uh, the younger millennials. Uh, millennials want to have uh, a greater purpose in life. Uh, yes, they want to make uh, good money. But if you ask a recent uh, college graduate today, they will tell you that um, they want to have some impact in, in their communities. And co-ops allow them to do that. Well, this is the reason I love co-ops and how, as you know, I, I do property management as my full-time job, and that's where I learned about co-ops and have learned after being, I've been doing this now for 25 years, at least the property management side of it, and getting more and more involved, I've fallen in love with this concept and believe that this concept, and the reason I do this show and try to get more and more people to understand it, this is a way for folks that have low income to come together and start a business to solve their community problems and create wealth. Right. Uh, so it's a way of right now I think the top one percenters in the U.S. gets, I've heard, 57% of all new wealth. So in, 19, in 2015 and also this year, 2016, if there's $1,000 that's being made, the one percenters are going to get $570 of that. And then that $430 comes to the other 99% of us. Yes, and unfortunately, that's a long-term trend. And I don't see any signs of that evading. And it really, I think, reinforces the idea of, of cooperation. It makes it more important today than yeah. it did 10, 15 years ago. Because out of necessity, people need to come together to get their, their basic needs. And, you know, the minimum wage hasn't, hasn't gone up. Costs continue to go up. And it's much more efficient for people to come together uh, share costs, do something collectively, et cetera. You know, one of the co-ops that I was uh, talking about last week uh, here in, in the District of Columbia is, is a co-op of, of churches that came together to purchase things uh, cheaper. And it's uh, all uh, different denominations. And just recently, they've added charter schools to their uh, membership. But it's only in one community here in, in District of Columbia. We helped. Uh, we provided some some money uh, for uh, for startup. And we've, we've also uh, provided uh, some money to help uh, create a template that other communities could be used. Uh, but it's a real natural for churches to come together to share costs, to purchase things, to do just simple things. You can get a better price for anything if you purchase, uh, if you purchase in a larger volume. And co-ops allow you to aggregate that volume and, and get a better price. Well, you know, I, I joined that group mm -hmm. because we manage housing co-ops. We've had other housing co-ops to try to come in that group to make the buying more the more the bigger the volume you can buy the better deal you can get so that's on trash collections we bought our our copier machine through them mm -hmm. and the other thing i liked about going through them is they had already worked out the contract everything i disliked in the contract that the uh, copier company gave us they had already gotten it taken away so i had a expert if you will mm -hmm. working to get the uh, purchasing deal better for me I really like them a lot. CPA, Consumer Purchasing Alliance. Yes, right. Mm -hmm. It's the bank's mission to see a co-op like that in every community in the United States. There's, there's no reason why we should not have one. And what's really interesting, it's been around for a couple of years now. 
they're finding other reasons to want to talk with each other. You know, oh, okay. About the, their, their ministries and things, they, they, you know, the commonalities of, of the things that they're trying to, uh, to do. It creates a, a, a network. So it's not only just you know, saving uh, some money. It's actually creating a community where there was no community before. And, uh, you know, those are the intangibles uh, that you don't necessarily measure but, but are extremely important. Well, again, that's why I like co-ops. It's, I had somebody earlier, it's, it's co-ops come to get people come together to solve community problems. And that community problem was how you get a better product for a lesser price. And then you find once you create community, you can build social wealth. More and more people know what's going on, and then you can also get things done. And I've I've been told that once somebody gets into a co-op and they learn the democracy and how it works, because it, it's working in there, and that's the second cooperative principle, then they get involved in the democratic process outside of the co-op. Get right. on the school board, city council. Well, you know, I, I mentioned that uh, study we did of uh, housing co-ops some years ago, and, and one of the things that we uh, found out that housing co-op members vote more yes. than the general population. Yeah, I, I'd expect that because they know the, the benefit of, the value of the vote and their vote and what it does. We're going to take our second break now, Chuck. And if you have a question or comment that you'd like to make to Chuck Snyder, president of NCB or me, call in at one 800 450 Seven eight seven six. We'll be right back. Fourteen fifty W O L. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks. This is Everything Co-op. We have Mr. Chuck Snyder in our studio with us to talk about the National Cooperative Bank and just talk about co-ops in general. You know, Mr. Steve Owls was on a program who created the documentary Food for Change, which is about food co-ops and uh, and the food industry. We are having a showing of that uh, documentary on October 31st in celebration of Co-op Month. Uh, it's going to be at... Bus Boys and Poets from 6 to 8 on October 31st to see a screening. Uh, and you can go on the Food for Change webpage, foodforchange.coop webpage, to get information about all of the showings throughout the U.S. in the month of October. Chuck. We're uh, working on two exciting projects for uh, new food co-ops, one in Cincinnati, Ohio, and one in Raleigh. And very similar cases, um, the community uh, had a long-standing grocery store, and it was a smaller grocery store. And a lot of the, the large chains today like formats that are maybe out in the suburbs a little bit more, that uh, have uh, bigger square footage and you know, bigger store format that's more similar to their other formats. And uh, anyways, uh, we had uh, two uh, long-standing grocery stores that uh, closed up, and uh, the communities... Uh, independently decided that, hey, you know, grocery stores are important to the community. When, you know, you have a grocery store, you might go to the grocery store several times a week mm-hmm. to get your groceries. Uh, it's important, and you don't want to go all the way across town. Uh, it's a big uh, time uh, waster to, to do that. And so um, in Cincinnati and Raleigh, the communities uh, came together and, and sold shares, and they, they got the commitment from 
from people to say, hey, we want to open up this grocery store. So they're opening up the grocery store in the very same building uh, that had the grocery store that went vacant for a, a period of time. And uh, we think that they're going to be very successful because of the strong community support. And now it's their store. And um, we have seen this in other areas. And, and when you have that strong community uh, commitment, uh, they patronize that store. And uh, you have to run the store, though, to standards of cleanliness and, you know, you know have a full uh, array of products, et cetera. Uh, you can't have a success today by running a subpar grocery store. People just won't allow that. But uh, you can go out and hire an experienced uh, manager and con- contract uh, with a wholesaler to get your groceries. That uh, community support, uh, it's not just a grocery store. Uh, it's a meeting place. It's, it's, it's a place to see friends. And also, you know, uh, around the country, uh, you know, people have different uh, tastes as far as what kind of food they would like. And so they can really match up uh, the store uh, with the uh, with the community, and a lot of big chains have difficulty in in doing that because uh, you know they're run by a corporate that, which is a thousand miles away, and uh, you have uh, versus a store that the manager is right there, which you can talk to and say, hey, would you consider uh, having this product? Because uh, mm-hmm. you know we like it around here. So it seems like every week at the bank. Uh, we have a new cooperative uh, that's uh, knocking on our door saying that they want to uh, talk to us about uh, opening up uh, some sort of a store or expanding. We have a lot of co-ops that are expanding now. You know, going back to 07 and 08, uh, you had said that you just didn't see the failures. And you have all of these uh, businesses starting up. And I'm finding that in the principles, education, training, and information, uh, Chuck, I spent 12 years teaching and that's the other reason I love co-ops, because it's a part of the fabric. It's a part of the DNA of a co-op is that you have to have this training. And in Dr. Jessica Gordon's Nimhard, where she looked at African-American experience with co-ops, she said that what, what she had found out, that they called them study groups, that they would be in these study groups. And whenever they got into a problem, they go back and hit the study groups very hard mm-hmm. and it got them out of the problems. And this is the reason that you don't have the failures, because people learn how to manage a co-op because the members are the ones that hire the board of directors. I vote for the board of directors and the board of directors hire the management and the members hold both accountable and they have input. They have say so that like, what are you going to have on your shelves? Or if we have a profit, how is that profit distributed? How much goes back to us? How much stays into the co-op for growth? Uh, How much goes into the community for other, because this seventh principle is concerned for community. So how much goes back in the community to help community or the sixth one is is cooperation among co-ops or to help start other co-ops? So it all works. It's uh, interesting. Uh, A lot of the co-ops that we have financed around the country have have done that and have gone beyond. And they feel it's necessary to teach some of its members about nutrition and um, that it's just not about, you know, selling packaged goods. It's it's about – uh, making wise choices, and the co-op has a responsibility to do a little education. A lot of the co-ops we finance around the country on, on the second floor, they have cooking classes. Yeah, uh, because it, it seems that uh, you know there's a, a generation uh, that uh, may need a little help with uh, with cooking these days. They may have relied too much on on um, things that they could just pop in in the microwave. But um, you know, I think as a, as a nation as a whole. 
is uh, you know thinking more about nutrition and uh, what they put in, the, in their bodies. Uh, uh, co-ops have found that their mission is to their members is more than just providing the good food. Uh, it's it's about educating them about uh, how they should be e- eating different foods, maybe and, and cooking more, et cetera. Choices, better choices. I've had some folks on the program that are out of food co-ops, and I've learned about this term food deserts. So when in Raleigh and Cincinnati, when these stores closed, there was not a desert. You couldn't get fresh vegetables and fresh fruit and so forth. And so I have visited Cincinnati, and they have another co-op that is a, um, that they grow food. Yes. And uh, matter of fact, I visited that, and I I really wanted to go pick my lunch. (laughs) It looks so good. (laughs) So then you have this sort of relationship between the store and the farm, and you can get better, fresher foods in the store by them working with the farm. That's a co-op that goes from the from the farm to the, the store to the table. Yep. It's it's, uh, it's very true. Pretty much all the uh, the natural food co-ops uh, that we finance around the country emphasize uh, the need to support uh, local farmers. And not only are you building your community by supporting the local farmers. But you, as you point out, you're getting better produce, fresher produce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just, just a, a very good thing. And, you know, one of the things that I, I know I get frustrated with, and I know, I know a lot of people get frustrated, is, is that uh, globalization has provided tremendous benefit to people all, all over the world. It's uh, uh, raised standards, especially in, in the third world. It maybe hurt our uh, living standards, but people feel a loss of community because they feel uh, that uh, more things are happening outside of their control. And one of the things I think uh, co-ops definitely bring to the table is that human size, the human nature of of people wanting to sort of feel that they have control, have input, they have a a sense of of belonging, and um, uh, co-ops do that in, in, in many ways. There's a plaque at Greenbelt Homes. Greenbelt Homes is a housing co-op right here in Greenbelt. Uh, Maryland, and it says that co-ops give people the tools to control their destiny. Mm-hmm. I, I like that one. I like that one. It's it's, and that's why I also went back that co-ops started before 1844 because people like to meet together and work for the common good of the group, and that seems to be just a natural human thing. And that's what you were just talking about, and that's been missing with globalization, and co-ops gives people a way to come together and meet and work and solve their own problems. Mm-hmm. I love this one. But how big are co-ops? I mean, I know you put out uh, the Co-op 100 list. What's that about? Well, uh, what we do every year is um, there's some 30,000 uh, co-ops in, in the country, and that's all different types of, of co-ops. Uh, that's housing uh, cooperatives, that's credit unions, that's rural electric, rural telephone, uh, that's uh, farmer co-ops, that's artisan co-ops, uh, you name it. Uh, there's worker co-ops. There's different types of uh, cooperatives in, in the United States. But one of the things that uh, that we uh, provide this list is to show the economic impact of, of, of co-ops in that we have uh, co-ops that are Fortune 500 uh, companies. And you mentioned the uh, Community Purchasing Alliance here in uh, D.C. They have purchased from various different vendors, but one of the vendors is uh, a Nace Hardware uh, dealership here, or their customer of, of, of NCB. 
And Ace is a is a co-op, and there's some five thousand uh, Ace hardware uh, owners uh, of of the co-op. And wh- why do they why do they belong to a co-op? Well, t- to create a brand name, um, to get the economies of scale so that they can compete against the the big box. But they have the best of all worlds because they can uh, buy things uh, cheaper through the through the co-op. But they can serve their their local community. Here in the district, they have numerous different stores, and the big boxes are not going to move down downtown D.C. So if you want uh, some simple hardware, and if it, if there wasn't a, a co-op like Ace, you would have a, a difficult time. You'd have to go out in the suburbs uh, to to get a simple hardware item. And, you know, uh, Chuck, if I could add, Gina Schaefer's been on the program, and she's the one that she and her husband started the Ace Hardware here, and they had seven or eight of them now. But I told Gina, to me, she looks like a little cheerleader. She's bubbly and bright, and she's enthusiastic. You don't think of her as selling tools, okay? But And she loves it, and she has a good group of people. And the other thing that co-ops do is they really work to make sure that the employees get a decent wage and, and benefits and so forth. So I, That's because they're members of the community, and they, and they care about their employees, and they care about their, they care about their customers. And one of the things I enjoy going into uh, Gina and Mark's uh, stores is is that if you ask a question, you feel like you're going to get an honest answer. They really want to help you. They're glad to see you, and they and they really want to help you. And uh, you know, sometimes in a big box, it's not necessarily the case. <laughs> well, um, too often it is. But not. the reason why we put this uh, list together is to show that uh, co-ops, large or small, make a tremendous contribution uh, in, in the United States. And uh, we want to make sure, uh, especially during co-op, because we uh, co-op month was when we publish it, that uh, co-ops are very relevant uh, today and are growing. These co-ops on the uh, co-op 100 list are, are growing uh, very nicely, uh, five six percent uh, a year in, in, in their sales on, on average. And considering uh, retail sales at some of the, the big uh, stores today, uh, that's very good. And uh, so they, they can be competitive, and we want to emphasize uh, that uh, co-ops uh, throughout uh, different sizes are important. And it's just not in, in the sales that are important. It's, it's the impact that they have on, on their community. Impact on community, that's tremendous and huge, and we're taking our final break right now. The time goes by very, very fast, Chuck. I'm glad you're here, and I want to talk about uh, this minimum wage and what one can can make when they become into a worker cooperative. We'll be right back. Fourteen fifty WOL. Welcome back, everybody. This is Vernon Oaks on uh, Everything Co-op with Mr. Chuck Snyder in studio with us this morning. He's the president of the National Cooperative Bank. And I was just talking to Chuck at the at, uh, in between the. Uh, commercial time here about a worker cooperative. But let me give you a definition first. A co-op is any business you can think of. Any kind of business you can think of could be a co-op. If it's owned and controlled by the employees, it's called a worker cooperative. If it's owned and controlled by the people who use the products and services, it's called a consumer cooperative. And the consumers are housing co-ops, credit unions. There is a health clinic in Madison, Wisconsin, that the patients own it, a consumer and it's patient-centric. It's policies and procedures that's good for the patients. Workers could be any kind of business you can think of. If your workers own it, that's why it could be any business. Then you have the 
the side of the businesses where if people come together to purchase things, it's called a purchasing co-op, and you have farmers and artisans, and we just talked about the Consumer Purchasing Alliance in the district for governments and, and churches and so forth. Then on the other end of that, you have uh, marketing co-ops, producer co-ops, if they come together to sell their products and services, and farmers and artisans do that also. But anybody could come together, and they may not be able to have a warehouse or they may not have a studio for artists, painters, and they can come together and create different kinds of things working together. Here is a a group of people came together, that sort of the low wage. When you talk normally what low wage, people that don't have very much impact are maids, cleaning people. And Christina is an immigrant from Mexico and a mother, and she went from $7 to $20 an hour, Chuck, working as a maid in New York three times. Where if she was working for seven before and they raised the minimum wage to 15, that's twice. My problem with raising the minimum wage, the little economics that I've taken is the likelihood is you're going to raise the price of the goods and services. So that eventually that raise of the minimum wage in buying power won't mean anything. But this lady, she increased from 7 to $20 an hour. The buying power, she has three times more buying power for her hour of work. Right. And that's why I like this this model as a better model for getting people to. I think the key in this is to cut out the middleman. Yeah. And the cut yeah. that the middleman is 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 taking. And, and their profit. And, and and their profit, and to give it back uh, to the one uh, the person that's adding all the value. That's uh, that's the worker. the worker. My wife and I uh, love coffee, and and we purchase our uh, coffee from uh, a uh, coffee co-op called Pachamama. It's out in the West Coast. You can look them up in, on the. Uh, on the web, and they are a worker-owned cooperative that's marketing uh, coffee beans, and it's the same story. It's a multiple. If you're in a, and this is a a worker, farmers in Colombia and and Africa, that if they sell their raw coffee beans, they get a fraction of of the value uh, in in that chain. And so now they have created a, a, a capability of marketing those those beans. They roast them, create brand names, and, and sell them. And it's the same story as this worker co-op of uh, of the made up in in New York City, where they they have increased their income by a multiple. Uh, I don't know the exact multiple, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's uh, three times as, as well. That's the empowerment of, of of co-ops, and not only are they coming together to do something, but they're actually allowing themselves to to um, capture more of the value that they really create instead of allowing that value to be given to other uh, other people. You know, um, taking out the middleman, the capitalist, and their need for profit, and then the the individual workers come together and they do the management, they take the risk, and they may come to NCB to get the funding that they need then they can make more money. And the economy, the inflation won't happen in this model. Right. They get more, have a better neighborhood. That, that she, What this lady, Christina, decided to do was she decided to work, work less hours and spend more time with her family. So that causes her parent to be with her children when they get home, and therefore they won't be out in the street, and therefore it just the whole community is better off. Right. The family's better off. The community's better off. 
um, the people that probably get the cleaning are better off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And probably most importantly, there's there's probably more stability in their job. A lot of lower-wage workers uh, today, I think, are greatly troubled by the, the, the prospect of losing their job for uh, crazy reasons. You know, they, their car might break, break down. They get to work late. Next thing you know, they're fired. But if you're an owner, at least you get to explain why you got to work late. And that con- continuity of, of, of working with those higher wages, I think, is tremendously uh, powerful. If, if you take a look at most uh, uh, low-wage earners that are part-time, they can't get full-time. They have to work multiple jobs, and the turnover is, is really significant because no one really cares about that uh, worker. They're not providing training. They're not providing uh, other fringe benefits, et cetera. Uh, so there's no security. There's no job security, and I think that uh, the co-op really addresses uh, that major issue as well. You know, if you are a maid or a low taxi cab driver, it, whatever you might be, you can go to cdf.coop. That's uh, cdf.coop, and they have some funding to help start up different co-ops. Also, the U.S. Federation of Worker Co-ops can provide different help. ncba.coop, ncba.coop is another source that you could go get if you wanted to start up. Where I got this information by Christina is out of a book uh, created by Democracy Collaborative, which is right here at the University of Maryland, Cities Building Community Wealth. So building this wealth for the people, uh, and they talk about progressive, and this is why for me, after reading this book, Chuck, I found out that the local elections are perhaps more important for the community than the presidential election. And I've never thought about it. I always put more emphasis on the presidential election. But these local mayors and city councils and school boards can put together different programs using the assets of the the city to create jobs and businesses for the small guy that you talked about, this maid, this this janitor, to create a business that they can really create wealth. I'm uh, really pleased to uh, report that we're making some progress along local, but also national, too. With this administration, the Obama administration, they have uh, supported uh, uh, co-ops. And there was, uh, about a year or so ago, the creation of an interagency task force to uh, support uh, cooperatives. And so that's uh, bringing uh, HUD together with the uh, Small Business Administration, Department of Con- Commerce, Department of Agriculture, all together to share ideas and to support uh, co-ops. And And I'm pleased to uh, read this week, uh, uh, we talked about Cornelius Blanding of the Federation of Southern Co-ops. Uh, uh, he has gotten uh, some new funding uh, oh, for the federal government agencies from the SBA and and uh, other agencies, USDA, to help exactly what you're talking about as far as forming new co-ops in in a uh, four- or five-state region down south. Um, And that uh, money has not always been there. And we all know that it it takes money to get people educated and to organize uh, people coming uh, together. And uh, I'm glad to see this administration doing that. Oh, that's great news, Chuck, and I'll try to reach out to those people to get them on the, on the program. I was hoping we could have done something in Flint, Michigan. I mean, everywhere that there is a, an issue, a community issue, co-ops could be an answer to. They have a food desert in Flint, Absolutely. Michigan. Absolutely. Yep. Um, the whole water problem, uh, right. creating a plumbing co-op. <laughs> okay. 
But there, are, there are community uh, uh, water utilities uh, uh, out there. We don't necessarily uh, serve those uh, uh, too much, but uh, uh, there's another bank uh, called CoBank, uh, Cooperative Bank, uh, that uh, serves the uh, the rural areas and, and, and the um, agricultural areas, and, and they do a lot of uh, lending to uh, uh, to utilities. But, uh, you know, we're all talking about the renewable energy, and mm-hmm. um, not everyone's home is suitable for solar panels. And um, about uh, two years ago, a, um, a rural electric co-op decided to, to form a community-owned uh, solar co-op, and it's been very successful. Uh, people could uh, buy a panel in, in the community solar array for $800. And um, they didn't know whether it was going to be the world's dumbest idea or whether it was the best idea. I and mean, it sold out in one night. Oh, and it's probably been a really great idea. We have one minute left. Chuck, what would you like to tell people out for this year and why co-ops are so great? Or what would you, what's the message? Well, I would like to, to say that during the cooperative uh, month, um, to recognize the tremendous contribution that uh, co-ops make uh, in, in the United States of all different communities, of both uh, rich, poor, urban, rural, all over the United States. Uh, cooperatives are important. We should support them. We should patronize them. And, um, for example, if you're, if you're banking at a, a uh, commercial bank and not a credit union, go talk to a credit union. Uh, you'll get lessened fees and, and uh, et cetera. Co-ops are just... Uh, a good deal for the consumer, and I encourage everyone to seek out and patronize their local co-op. Thank you for what you do, Chuck. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next 30, and work cooperatively. 1450 WOL.